Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Thank you, Mr. Kelly. Just a quick question for you. Do you sure. guys do uh, Christmas trees and Christmas lights and all that other stuff? We've got a few things, not a whole lot. Really? I did get, uh, my wife bought me, I like live trees. And so she bought me like a little one that's about oh, three feet tall. Really? And it's out on the back porch, and we're going to decorate it in blues stuff. Blue lights, blue and gold garland, and she went th- searching through the house and found all kinds of like keychains and Whoa. old ticket stubs and things like that. And we're going to decorate it because next to it is our Snoopy with the opening mailbox. You've seen those? <laughs> <laughs> and and in the mailbox, it's supposed to have Woodstock open up. I got a blue note there. Whoa. Yeah, you want to see it? I can show it to you. <laughs> what happened to Woodstock? Oh, the poor guy. He's just hidden back there. He flew there. away? He just can't, yeah, he got mad. Oh. He wants to be the center of attention. I said, no, the blue note, man. Come on. <laughs> uh, you can't yeah. alter those kind of things. We Isn't did. that a patent? <laughs> no. Well, we did. Don't tell anybody. It's All between right. you and me. I, okay, good. Okay. <laughs> Well, sounds good. And, uh, folks, welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now you can give a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with questions, concerns, or comments. Thanks for having me on your show, and uh, we can talk about plant selection, caring for, ups and downs and all arounds for your annuals, for bulbs, edibles, ground covers, Houseplants, lawns, perennials. Speaking of perennials, when I took my good gardening stroll this morning at the Soulard Station, I forgot to mention that they, as some of the mums that they have on the west side of the building, their red-flowered mums are still and really looking good. I'm not talking about the foliage. I'm talking about actually the flowers. So if you do have mums, you can cut the flowers off once, once they're finished if you'd like, but leave the stems and leave the foliage regardless of how it ends up looking, whether it ends up brown or anything else, because they actually do help protect the crown of the mums for the upcoming winter, which is still not here yet. So how about roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens? I'll share my thoughts, but always remember my answers, comments, or opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take, but just offered for you to consider. Producing is Greg Today, as he's been doing for a couple months now. And uh, during the week, I do something, landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk, where I come to your home and uh, spend some time answering questions that you may have, also keeping my eyes open for things that may be impacting your landscape that you had not even considered. So, And I gift certificate, if you'd like to have a gift certificate, you can go to my website, mikemillerdesigns.com. Email, phone number, all that other stuff, and I can certainly get a gift certificate to you. I'll email it to you. And the tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me 
is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Today's tip of the trial, first of all, goes out to Lentz, L-E-N-T-S, and Associates. That's a PR firm. And uh, for years, they brought the garden hotline to the Missouri Botanical Garden for the best Missouri market. So each year they do give me a gift bag. And so thanks to Lentz and Associates for the gift bag for this time of year. And also the tip of the trial goes out to the Green Center. And the Green Center is in University City at on Blackberry Avenue. I gave a talk a month or two ago there. But what they're doing is they've announced the winter 2018 winter program. And what the Green Center is is it's kind of set up for kids that are fairly young in, let's say, ages four to nine or, or something like that. And they offer classes. So how about giving a class to some kids that you know from the Green Center where some of the classes are a blue moon hike, a, water t- a winter tail, find love in the outdoors, snowed in, let's cook, incredible edible bird feeders, so all kinds of various different things. So the programs start in the end of January. So why not give a gift certificate to some children you know to kind of get them experience? And this, the Green Center is really kind of a unique place just in general. I mean, just to go there and walk around, see all the bed spaces and everything else, it's really an amazing plant. So the Green Center, if you're interested in giving a gift of a class to some children that you may know, 314-725-8314, extension 105, or you can go to classes at thegreencenter.org. So Mike Miller, KMWAX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, take a look out your windows right now, and man, the flying activity of abounds with all the different birds. Uh, usually we have a lot of cardinals in our neighborhood, so I don't know where the cardinals, they haven't come in yet, but wrens and, you know, and finches, that's the main ones. We do have a blue jay or a couple blue jays that are hanging around our house. And then, of course, early in the morning, as I'm taking my walk, kind of pre-dawn or right as the sun starts, uh, let's say, lightning or lighting the sky, crows. I don't know where they go. They always seem to migrate in the same direction if they're headed for landfills or whatever. I don't understand it, but uh, they're always very entertaining to watch. So along with the wrens and chickadees and uh, the finches. So that's as much as bird-wise as we've seen. Not too many doves yet either. So uh, it's not even winter yet. So How I feed the birds, I don't use regular feeders. I throw the seed out on the sidewalks and driveway and stuff like that. So maybe that's wrong to do it, but that's what I choose. Sharon lives in Freeburg, Illinois. Hi, Sharon. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. We received in the mail this week a live holly plant. And I was. it said, the instructions said to water it every two days. I wonder if that's okay. Wow. Yeah. Let's see. I would. That seems a little bit extreme. It, you know, I would. You know, if I'm assuming it's a hardy holly that ultimately will go outside. Yes. Okay. It's you know. It's wow. I'm having it inside, trying to grow it inside. I don't know if you're listening to the first hour, but somebody, you know, was bringing in an olive tree 
And it was a hearty olive. And I said, I don't know if you really want to do that. But with your holly, are they recommending that you don't plant it outside? Which I certainly would say don't plant it outside because it's a broadleaf you know, plant. And putting a broadleaf plant out as we're going into wintertime could be very damaging. So if you've got to put it in the coolest window as you possibly can with a bright sun circumstance. And I would wait and water it when the soil feels the potting mix is not a soil when it feels a little bit dry. So, and also just watch the inside of the pot or the container it's growing in and don't, uh, and when it starts shrinking away from the insides of the pot, I'd water it at that time, but definitely don't overwater this thing. Watering it every two days just doesn't make good sense. And hopefully that the pot that's came in has drainage holes in the bottom. It does. It has a little tray underneath. Okay, that's fine. You could keep a slight amount of moisture in that little tray, but don't, you know, watering every two days seems a little bit extreme to me. Okay. Then in the spring, um, when we plant it outside, it said to plant it in the sun. Yes. Is that correct? Now, we've had one for years out front, and it's been in the partial sun, only in the late afternoon. Well, ideally, they do want to have full sun all day long every day. So, you know, the evolution of the one that you have, I don't know if you planted it or somebody else planted it, but uh, it's just not ideal for them to be in a part shade you know, situation or more shade than sun as the one that you have. But if, if it looks happy and it's done very well, then how can you beat that? And, I mean, nothing, nothing really kind of proves, let's say, theories wrong when you've got something that's going against the theory. So, but I would say full sun is going to be better. I, I'm assuming this is fairly small, right? It's about, yeah, a foot and a half small. Right. I would think about maybe, you know, putting it in a larger black plastic nursery pot and maybe for a year or so just growing it in this pot and where you've dug a hole in the ground, kind of in the area where you're planning on, let's say, installing it, and just get it acclimated to that spot because when they're in pots, it's a little easier to take care of them and they're not getting, let's say, so many environmental impacts as a result of the, the pot kind of buffers it a little bit. Okay. And then, I, of course, I wait till the soil gets warm to plant it outside. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, putting it out when the ground is cold. I mean, you could do that, but cold ground just it stymies any kind of root advancement. But uh, if, you're, if you do end up just planting it straight into the ground and not putting it in a pot and then dropping the pot into a hole in the ground... Um, I would say, yeah, wait till the ground. You're probably looking at maybe mid-April or so before I'd probably put it outside. All right. Thank you very much. Yep. Good luck with that. And, yeah, Holly for uh, holiday season. Herb lives in Pacific. Hi, Herb. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm terrific. And listen, I've been listening for 20 years, but the reason the Cardinals didn't sign Carlos Stanton is because they had you at a meeting, and you told them you couldn't grow palm trees in St. Louis. <laughs> well, if he would have, you know, if I, I should have said, listen, Carlos Stanton, if he's playing for Miami now, I believe. And right. so if he would have come here to St. Louis, I would have given him a membership to the Botanical Garden. So every time that he wanted to see palm trees, he could just go to the Botanical Garden and go into the Climatron. There's all kinds of palm trees there. So, I mean, that would just take care of the problem that he says he has. Well, you should have been you should have been more uh, help at that meeting, and Mr. DeWitt could have signed that check and given you 10%. <laughs> Very true. 
I sh- I you know I don't know how that slipped by me, but um, you know an annual membership to the botanical garden, palm trees. They've got citrus trees. They've got everything that there's grows in Miami, right inside the Climatron. Perfect place. You're you're wonderful, Mike. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Well, thanks. And now let's go to Peevely, and that's where John lives. Hi, John. Hey, hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Hey, uh, well, we're going to talk about a different kind of a tree. I've got a, a pecan tree that uh, put out several pecans this year, but some of them have black spots on the inside. So, uh, they might get 10 good ones, and you might get one uh, that has two or three black spots on it. Could you tell me what that is, or is that a vitamin deficiency? Or It could what, be a vitamin uh, deficiency. It could be the screwy weather that we had. You know, because, I mean, we had super amounts of rain, and then we had super amounts of no rain whatsoever. So there's that fluctuation and why one, you know, let's say one pecan would be perfectly good and another would not would not be. That's just like any kind of fruit, any kind of anything that grows, why certain things happen to one, you know, particular fruit or nut off a, you know, off a single tree. It's a little difficult to tell. It could be related to airborne funguses. It could be related to what was happening just as the nuts were forming. So there's lots of different variations for that. Okay. So if you were going to, if you were going to fertilize yourself, if you had a tree and you were going to fertilize, what would you use for it? I would use compost. I would go, I don't know if you're listening in the first hour, but auger holes and backfill the holes, auger holes with a drill bit and backfill those holes with compost. So in other words, you're feeding the soil. You're not fertilizing the tree per se. You're making the soil healthier, and that should make for a healthier tree just in general. Okay. Okay. I, I heard earlier when you were saying going around the tree, around the drip line. Right. Exactly. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, thank you. Yeah. And the pecans, I mean, it's some, I mean, you, you buy even pecans in the store where they are grown professionally with all this other blah, 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 blah. And you crack open, a, you know, let's say 5% of them. They ooh, they are scary looking. So you should uh-huh. expect that kind of thing to happen, regardless of what you know, where your circumstances okay. for growing the pecan. Okay, real good. I appreciate your your help. Thank well, you very much. Certainly, good luck with that. And uh, pecans are one of Tracy's favorite nuts. I mean, she <laughs> dark chocolate pecan turtles is one of her favorites. Anyway, thanks, John. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. Back after these messages. This is Tom Ackerman. Join me Monday night at the Missouri Athletic Club for the 48th annual Jack Buck Awards as we honor Yadier Molina as Sports Personality of the Year and present awards to Hall of Famer Red Shane Deanst and Blues Chairman Tom Stillman. Live at 8 on KMOX. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, any questions, concerns, or comments, 314 436-7900 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. So how about, uh, you know, probably if you've been listening to the show for a while, we live right across on the northeast corner of Christie Park. Christie Park has lots of trees. And consequently, the prevailing winds, which are coming basically for the most part out of the southwest, blow the leaves right at us. Now we're starting to get huge amounts of leaves in our yard all the way around. Yesterday, there were so many where I couldn't even see, we couldn't even see where the steps were coming, going into our back you know backyard. So I had to kick some of the leaves out of the way. So today, after the show, I'm going to be going after the leaves. But this is after I fix because of my I'm an electrician of you know yeah right. 
But uh, I put a timer in for you know some seasonal lights outside, and this I don't know what's going on with this timer and the lights. They're not working. So t- today, after the show, I got to go home and get that thing straightened out, and then after that, I'm going to be raking leaves. But it's just very frustrating. I think everything's fine. I dial the timer around. The, all the lights come on. I think, okay, everything. I start patting myself on the back and say, wow, you did a great job, man. And then all of a sudden, at, you know, at 5 o'clock when the lights are supposed to come on, according to the way I've set the timer, nothing. And so and part of it's, you know, some of them are some of Tracy's favorite lights, and it's like, oh, so I got to bite the bullet, and I got to maybe go back and take some kind of electrician class, like how you plug something in. Three-prong, two-prong, doesn't matter. Anyway, so if you do have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. But uh, getting the leaves, you know, I'm going to rake some of the leaves, but also I have a mulching mower, and I'm going to be mulching some of them as well. Other things I'm going to be doing in the outdoors is just, uh, you know, kind of just looking at I have this plant called lemon verbena, and it's back along on the backside of the garage, which runs along the alley. And it is, I mean, it's prolific as far as it gets huge in the summertime, but it it really looks good now, and the leaves have a great lemon smell. One of the things that's still blooming in the landscape also is sweet alyssum, which is actually a self-seeding annual, but as cold as it has gotten already and everything else, it hasn't impacted the sweet alyssum from blooming. So you never know. Things you think, well, it'd have to be cold enough to take care of that. And while we had that warm spell too, I have a lot of my pots that are around the house are filled with spring flowering bulbs. So the daffodils and tulips, but, you know, frightening to me, I started to see in one of the pots some of the daffodil foliage was starting to, you know, push up through the mulch that I have on top of it. Some of the pots also I covered with, as I to, uh, probably I think I mentioned this last week, I went out into the park and picked up a bunch of pine cones, so I'm using that as mulch on top of some of my pots. But also I use, uh, let's say, holiday bulbs. Not bulbs. Yes, holiday bulbs. No, not bulbs. But anyway, holiday, holiday ornaments as a mulch on top of some of my pots. So I do a little bit of screwy, nutty stuff. So if you do have any questions, 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. How about your house plants? As I said before, be very very careful not to overwater them. But having a saucer underneath your plant with a little bit of moisture on it. Some people say, don't let the moisture sit in the saucer underneath it because it's not really good. Well, that actually creates a little bit of humidity, so that's going to be to the advantage of the plant. So I have saw the house plants that I have. I do have you know, saucers underneath, and I keep some moisture there. This is a time of year I've talked about the poinsettias, but amaryllis. You can buy the amaryllis bulb. They A lot of times they'll come in kits that have, you know, the bulb that have the more, it almost looks like peat moss that you grow them in. You put the bulb in your know, peat moss and you water it, and then probably within, uh, certainly they're not going to be in flower by the time, let's say, New Year's even comes around. But uh, you can start to at least have something in midwinter where you're going to see these huge flowers. Amaryllis is one of my favorite tropical type, you know, plants. I like it a little bit better than you know most of them. 
Christmas cactus, Thanksgiving cactus, they're great. They're cactus, but they don't have the thorns that normal cactus do. They're tropical oriented, so that's a you know it's a good way to you know to watch them. But truly, you know, my favorite other than amaryllis is a cyclamen. So I haven't gotten any cyclamen yet this year, and I haven't started my amaryllis bulbs because I like to start mine a little bit later. I don't necessarily need them blooming at uh, let's say Christmas time or New Year's time because there's already so much other stuff going on. I prefer them blooming, let's say, sometime in February. Let's go now to Tom, and Tom lives in Afton. Hi, Tom. Hey, how are you? Hello, Tom. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, go ahead. Um, the average life of a redbud tree, what do you think? It uh, depends on the situation. If it's well taken care of and everything else, you're probably looking at any place between 20 to 25 to 50 years. Okay, really. it's um, This thing has gotten real spindly. I did some pruning on it last week, had some dead branches. There's just not much living there. I figure it's about 25 years old. Yeah, so it's probably the low end of the you know the lifespan. And red buds really do well in a very well-drained soil. That's why you see them growing along the highway, almost coming out of rock bluffs. So if it's in an area that's, you know, let's say the dense, heavy clay soils that has a tendency to hold on to moisture, it can still survive. But as it sort of ages, this process of everything kind of slows down a little bit, and that's when it could start in decline due to the location where it was planted. Oh, good. That's good to know. It's uh, it's a sad thing. I mean, it's our favorite tree, and Ooh. it just, just doesn't look good. Right. So we're probably going to take it out. But I just thought I'd give you a call. It's, you know, we've had it 25, 26 years. We remember when we planted it. Wow. And uh, now it's just not of its former glory. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like me when I look in the mirror. 25 oh, years say, ago? Hey, we're, we're young at heart, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. And I mean, 25 years, it's unfortunate, but it's kind of the same length that you could expect out of Bradford pears or things like that. But I mean, I've seen some redbud trees where the diameter of the trunk at virtually ground level is almost, you know, let's say 18 inches across, where other ones, I don't know how big the diameter of your trunk is, but, uh, you know, maybe only 6, 8, 10, 12 inches and it's just, you know, individual circumstances, individual situations. You just, it's a roll of the dice. Well, I've got some little volunteers coming up around it. So wow. maybe I'll just use one of those and uh, hope for another 25 years with a new one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sounds perfect. Hey, thanks for your help. Certainly. Yeah. And for people that don't know the Redbud, it's, you know, it's native to Missouri. It likes rocky, you know, well-drained soils. It's in the pea family. So after it flowers in the springtime, it flowers really weirdly. It flowers on, you know, major size branches and other things. But then you end up with these pea pods as well. So thanks, Tom. And now let's go to Chris in South County. Hi, Chris. Good morning. I wanted to thank you for your service. You always give uh, great, uh, complete and knowledgeable advice. I listen to you uh, every Saturday morning when I'm in the car and you're on the air. Well, thanks for having me on about, your show. Yeah. Um, I have a question about hydrangeas. Actually, two questions. Okay. Number one is, um, should they be cut back uh, for the wintertime? Depends upon the variety. So some of them, like the PG hydrangea flowers in the springtime, you cut it back and you're cutting off the flower buds for next year. So, no. So... I mean, like like my good gardening stroll this morning, you know, at the uh, Soulard Station, 
the oak leaf hydrangea, the bracts were still on there from where it, you know, where it bloomed earlier. So you can cut those bracts off or those, let's say, brown things where they were at one time flower. But don't do any severe pruning on the hydrangeas. I think the hydrangeas in general are abused from a pruning standpoint, and it kind of sequences them wrong. So I would say no pruning on hydrangeas whatsoever until springtime, and then just cut off any kind of stems or branches or whatever that are not producing any kind of leaves. Okay, did you say, though, we could at this time we could cut off that what used to be the dead flowers? Yes. I mean, they're... Okay, great. Yeah, there. I mean, some people cut them off and put them in arrangements and stuff like that inside. And to me, it's like, ooh. Okay, we uh, well, actually, my wife had cut them back last year or uh, at this time, and then this uh, uh, spring, uh, very few uh, flowers came out until late in the year, like September. Right. And this was this was only after she had uh, applied some aluminum sulfide to it. Yeah, that basically that's you know to kind of change the color of the flower. That's exactly what it was intended to do, but uh, I don't know if it was coincidental. But after she applied the aluminum sulfide and and perhaps even applied some fertilizer at that time, then all of a sudden they started blooming like they had a year ago. Right. The purpose of the aluminum sulfide we applied was to change the color on a few of them from pink back to blue. We had right. bought them as blue, and. Um, Maybe because of the uh, acidity in the soil, they all change to pink. Well, it's an aging um, process. They're hybrids, and if you don't keep that soil with that aluminum sulfate in it, then you know they will you know revert back to what the original hybrid was, and how they've altered it into a blue was just by adding chemicals to the soil, and you've sort of duplicated what the professional growers are doing. So actually, uh, what she did is she had two blue and two pink, and they all turned to pink. So we put the aluminum sulfide, sulfide out, and uh, then they started to come back. Uh, actually, some of them were a combination of blue-pink. Half of it was blue, <laughs> half of it was pink. Right. Okay. And so, so yeah, as far as the blooming sequence and everything else, it's the last year or this year, actually, you know, with the weather and everything else, I mean, a lot of stuff was completely out of normal sequence as far as bloom-wise. Not just hydrangeas, many things. Okay. So, well, as I said, I very much appreciate your time. Well, um, one last question. Aluminum sulfide, should we wait till spring, I guess, to put that out then? Yeah. If you do it now, okay. I mean, it could leach, you know, if depending upon how much rain, how much snow, whatever, the moisture could leach it past the root systems. So, yeah, just wait until, you know, we get, let's say, kind of around the Ides of March or something or after okay. Valentine's Day. That's the window of time I always like to start doing any kind of applications to the soil. All right, sounds great. Thanks again so much for your time. Sure, thank you. And Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, we've got about nine more minutes of the Garden Hotline. Then at 10 o'clock, Investing Sense with Andy Smith and Bob Richards. 11 o'clock, KMOX Dave Sinclair, Lincoln and Ford Sports Open Line with Alex Ferraro. So. All kinds of stuff coming up. And then the Blues hockey, I think Brian Kelly was saying it was going to start at noon. Let's go to Jacksonville, Illinois, and into Kathy's yard. Hi, Kathy. Hi. How are you? Very good. Um, my question is about Russian sage. Uh, and that is, should I cut that back or just leave, let it be? I'd leave it alone. Okay. Because 
unless it's just you know really problematic from the standpoint of aesthetically when you look out you can't see anything else but this Russian sage. I like to leave foliage above th- you know on things. Just it adds a little bit of protection for the winter time. So Russian sage is really tough. It's very durable. It has great foliage and you know the pale blue flowers. But uh, I would say just leave it. All right. Well, thank you very much. Well, sure. Uh-huh. And now right. let's go from Jacksonville to Edwardsville and into Richard's yard. Hi, Richard. Good morning. Hi. Thank you so much for your service, Mike. You're truly a blessing to this area. <laughs> Thanks. Pe- You're welcome. I have a peach tree. I planted it last year. It's just doing so well. I build a fence around it because we're, even though I'm in the city limits, we do have a deer problem here. Right. I mean, it's just nuts. But I built a fence around it, and I thought it was sturdy enough, but evidently it wasn't. And they got to it pretty good, and they took a they did they really took a lot of the bark off the side of the tree. It's it's uh, about an inch and a half in diameter now, and maybe five foot tall. Uh, have they ruined that tree, or is there something I can do to dress that trunk up? Uh, basically, any kind of frayed bark or anything, go out there with a razor blade knife and cut any frayed stuff off, bark wise, and. Okay. As far as no, you know, no pruning sealer, nothing goes on to the open wounds, and it's just a matter of like kind of keeping your fingers crossed. There's not too much you can do. I mean, you put yeah. the physical barrier. You may try hanging some bars of Irish Spring soap or using a repellent, you know, and alternate between those two. But uh, I mean, the, these male deer, they're marking their territories, and that's you know, I mean, that's what this is all about. So it's an unfortunate. I've seen it. I've- I've seen this deer a couple of times, and he's a monster. <laughs> he's, he's got a rack on him. Somebody would would uh, would have a heck of a trophy if they could, and I'd be welcome that he'd leave my yard. I don't want him around here anymore. Yeah, I mean. Look, Mike, I'll do that. Yeah. So, yeah, there's not too much in but, yeah, I'll definitely get any of the fray. The reason why I'm saying for anybody that has any kind of damage on any kind of tree, whether it's, you know, resulting from deer or anything else, Frayed bark or anything like that just offers an opportunity for moisture, and moisture gets into the heartwood and everything else. And an inch and a half caliper, you know, peach tree, you might still be having to wait a little bit longer to get much peach production. But still, it's really aggravating when you've probably grown this thing for at least a period of time, and then to have this happen to it. So, yeah, the wildlife circumstance is nothing but unfun. And, I mean, these deer are getting so daring anymore. I've been to people's homes where I've been walking, let's say, back to my car, and here comes a deer, you know, walking through the woods to their house. And, I mean, I'm like 15 feet away, and the deer's just standing there staring at me. So it shows you how tame they've actually gotten. So thanks, Richard. Now let's go to Rick's house, and he lives in Cedar Hill. Hi, Rick. Good morning, Mike. Hi. I've got a couple of questions. Uh, I planted my garlic a while ago. And, uh, you know, the green is starting to come up now. Right. Should I cut any of that back or just, like, cover it with mulch? No, just leave it alone. You don't have to do okay. anything. Don't even mulch it? No, you don't. I would not mulch it. That okay. stuff is very tough. That's very durable. Anything in the onion family that's hardy-wise, uh, they don't need to be mulched at all. Okay, very good. And then also, I have a, a little volunteer mulberry tree, and about three foot tall. I'd like to transplant. When would the best time to transplant that be? Don't do it now. If you would have already cut the root system, you know, and had it ready to be pulled up out of the ground, that would be great. But you would have had to done that for, you know, let's say a couple, a month or two ago. 
But wait until springtime, you know, before the new growth, before the leaves start emerging, then dig it up at that time. The reason why you don't want to do it now is because the ground is really cold. Transplanting it and digging it up, you're going to tear up a bunch of the root system, and then you're going to put it into a new place, and it may not establish root system enough, enough of a root system to be able to make it through the wintertime. So that's why I'm saying wait until it starts, you know, like I always say, Valentine's Day to the eyes of March, that's the time I would dig it up. I don't know. You said it's three feet high. You probably want the root ball to be about a, a foot across. Oh, okay. I can easily do that. So good luck with the mulberry. All right. Thank you very much, sir. Yeah, mulberries are really kind of <laughs> prolific. Let's put it that way. So I don't know where your mulberry actually came from, but... Uh, you expect to have a lot more of them. Now let's go to Baldwin, and that's where Al lives. Hi, Al. How are you? Good morning. Quick question. Uh, I've got a pin oak tree that's dropped a lot of acorns this year. Mm-hmm. About half of them landed on the driveway, easy to clean up. Uh, when you walk across the grass, you can feel them crunching. Should those try to be taken up in some way, or are they going to hurt? Or yeah, I mean— it's very, I don't know how big the acorns are on your particular pen oak. About but a half an inch. Yeah, like exactly. They're really tiny. So to try yeah. to rake them up is somewhat of a nightmare. But it's going to be problematic from the standpoint that by walking on them and everything else, you're going to you know push them down into the ground. So that could, uh-huh. if you have a lawn underneath there, that could impact how well your lawn is going to yeah. do. If it's a ground uh-huh. cover, I wouldn't worry too much about it. But in a uh-huh. lawn circumstance, you're just kind of stuck with the situation. And, yeah. Well, you know, I've actually had some success with a powerful shop back of picking them up, but there's things really? I'd rather be doing in life. Yeah, uh, you know, and my neighbors probably look at me like I'm nuts, but <laughs> no, it picks them up. It'll pick up the dead grass too. It fills it up pretty quick, but it picks them up. Yeah, well, I that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. so uh, but it's I mean, not to leave them there if I can, if I can avoid it. You're saying? Yeah, you're better off not to because you just don't know what kind of impact they're ultimately going to have on your yeah. landscape just in general. Yeah, all right. Okay, appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. Well, thanks, Al. And that's going to be probably our final call for the day. So everybody, just kind of keep an eye on what's going on in the outdoors. And, I mean, we had that, I don't know how much rain that you got at your house this past week. I thought we were going to have a lot more than we did. It poured a little bit, and then it stopped, and it poured again. But the ground is still pretty darn dry. But everybody's probably got their irrigation systems turned off. Everybody's got their faucets turned off. So we're just going to have to kind of sit and wait, and hopefully we're going to get some you know, moisture coming out of the sky as opposed to having to use, let's say, our own water. And just be really careful with anything that you do. I'm going to go back to the holiday decorations. Realize that these, you know, these big inflatable things, which some of them are so massive, when they, you know, deflate in the mornings, you know, assuming that you're only running them at night, and they just lay there on that one spot, underneath that is just like, pla- you know, I mean, you might as well have a plastic bag there, and you could, a huge plastic bag, and the moisture content underneath that could create some major fungus problems for whatever plants are underneath there. Now, it's not going to, let's say, impact adversely spring flowering bulbs or, you know, things along that line. But, you know, anything else, lawn, any kind of ground covers, any of that stuff, you're going to have potentially fungus problems. So that's really something to be very, very cautious of and careful. I mean, I enjoy them. I don't have any inflatable ones myself. But Mike Miller, KM West Garden Hotline, I will see you next week.
The Voice of St. Louis. News Radio 1120 KMOX. KMOX HD St. Louis. 102.5 KEZK. HD3 St. Louis. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.